Morning. We are in the second last of messages in this series that we began back in January on the Sermon on the Mount. And we are going to return this morning, uh, in this message this morning, back to where uh, we were at the beginning. I mentioned to you, if you were here back in January, and I've said this a few times over the course of these dozen weeks, that the, the key verse, I would say to you, of the entire uh, Sermon on the Mount, this block of teaching, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This great teaching um, starts and ends with the question of desire which is the title of this message this morning, Matthew 7. If you have a copy of the Bible, take a look at it, turn it on, follow behind me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus speaking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The power for doing the Sermon on the Mount, right, for living it out, is found at the beginning of the sermon, back in the blessings that I just mentioned, Matthew chapter 5. It's found in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which we looked at about a month ago, in the Lord's Prayer, chapter 6. And it's found here, right near the end, in this invitation, uh, enthusiastic invitation to pray. But this enthusiastic invitation to pray, right? Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Remember, Jesus is encouraging his disciples, but he's talking about the Father, right? He's saying, listen, I know what it's like to walk with God. Jesus is not only God the Son, he's also, the book of Hebrews says, he is our brother, right, in a manner of speaking. And he's saying, listen, I want to tell you something about your Father. Ask, get after it, seek, find. He desperately wants to answer your prayer. But this enthusiastic invitation at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is not given to the general public. Okay. It's where sometimes we, people say, well, you know, I tried that, Rob, and it didn't work for me. It's not given to the general public. It's given to the committed disciples, okay? That's what we're asking. That's what this whole sermon, that is the whole block of teaching, is really trying to invite us into a kind of commitment, into a quality of life, right? That we dreamed was true, that we see lived out in the life of Jesus, and that we are invited to live. It's a kind of life one would assume that these folks who first listened to this message, that they had experienced the challenge, they began to experience some of the change that it promised. And the first thing that this passage tells us, this enthusiastic or wild invitation, what Jesus, I think, wants us to learn from this is know who you ask, right? When we're talking about prayer. Know who you ask. I think many of us, in this room, myself as well, at times, 
We lack confidence in the, the kind of confidence that's displayed in this passage in our prayer life because we don't carry with us, right, today, tomorrow, in the, in, in the course of our lives. We don't carry with us the knowledge, the true knowledge of the person who we are asking, who's at the other end of our prayers, right? The point of this analogy in verse 9 through 11, right, is not the nature of the request, right? You know, if you, being a parent, know how to give good things to your children, if they ask you for this or they ask you for that, it's not the nature of the request, it's the nature of the parenting. That's what he's talking about, right? The, 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 the three most important words in this short passage are how much more, right? It's not about what he's asking us for, it's about the nature of the parenting, and it's interesting. He says here, you who are evil, even those you who are evil, he's talking about everyday people, parents. But when he says that, if you look at the passage, he's not, he's not a, it's not a blanket condemnation of you, of people that are evil, because he even says, your parents, those of you who are parents or your parents, people in this world, we know how to give good gifts to our children, verse 11, right? They know how to do that. When he says, you who are evil, he's simply making a comparative judgment. He's saying, I want you to think right now for a minute. Right? Some of us didn't have great parents, or, but or think of a grandparent, or, or the best gift your parent ever gave you, or the quality of love you have for your children, those of you who are parents in this room. You do anything for your kids. Almost mo all parents would say that. Jesus is saying, listen, compared to how much God loves you, right? it's like they're evil. Right? That's what he's saying. It's a comparative statement. That's the whole point. What this invitation assumes that you know, and I want you to ask yourself this question as, as, as I ask myself this question, is I get to the end of this teaching, and I say, am I living the life that God offers here, right? Am I, am I moving closer to the quality of life that Jesus lived and that he's inviting? This entire sermon is an invitation to live a different quality of life. Do I know uh, what, this, what this invitation assumes, right, what this, what this prayer assumes is that you understand God is a loving Father, right? Think about this. In the Old Testament, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things? Now, in Jesus' Bible, the Old Testament, right, people did not talk uh, about did not address God as Father. Read your Old Testament. This was not the way people understood God in the Old Testament. And and, and let me say this too about uh, you know the idea. Theology is important, and I would say to you, theology is actually very practical. In some of us, because we have a bad theology about God, we're not living the life that we want to. When the Bible here, right in the New Testament. The opening of the New Testament talks about God as Father. It's not by virtue of the fact that he created us, right? This whole idea of the, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, you hear that. That everyone is God's children. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says this, John 1 verse 12 said, listen, to as many as received him who believed on his name... Right? It's about belief, right? I exercise a belief in the promise of God, a belief in the, in the promise of the gospel to as many as received him, believed on his name to them. He gave the right to be called the sons and the daughters of God. 
God is not our father by virtue of creation. God is your father if he is your father. God is my father if he is my father by virtue of my belief and my receiving of the message of the gospel. If you are a Christian here today, God is your father, right? And I didn't say if you are a good Christian today. If you are a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as the Bible, if I've received him, if you've believed on his name, God is your father. The great word of Augustine said this, God loves each of us, as if there were only one of us, right? Do you believe that? Do you walk around in your mind, in your heart, believing that God is your father and that the very best that a loving parent that you would think about if you have children, the very best emotion, you know, we, we saw this scandal that happened this, um, in the last couple of weeks, right? The the, the cheating scandal, right? Of all these people who, who paid people to, you know, to, to mess with SAT scores so that their kids could get into elite college. You know, when you think about that, it's a wrong, it's a wrong way to go. It's a, it's, a, it's a wrong choice for a very good motivation, I would assume, right? These parents want what's best for their kids, so much so that they'll do something stupid like that, do something dangerous like that, do something that sends a wrong message, but it's built out of a good motivation. But Jesus is saying, listen, your father in heaven. Number one, God is a loving father. Number two, God has your best interests in mind, right? How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And here's the thing about the prayer. Here's the thing about this wild invitation. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Jesus says, go for it. Because when you come to God, you can ask him for whatever you want. There's no wrong request. Because even if you ask God for wrong things, right? And I think all of us do. You're safe. Because God's not going to give you something that's bad for you. The answer will be no. He's always going to give you good things. He knows what's best. He wants what's best for you. And you don't have to worry about it. Right? You just need to go after it. God is a loving father. Do you believe that? Is that an assumption that you have? Two, do you believe God has your best interests in mind? And three, do you believe, according to this prayer, that God is always available, right? Ask, seek, knock. He's available in the moment. He's available after the fact. He's available the day before. He's available the day after. Seek, knock, ask, and it will be given to you, right? This is what Jesus is saying. I was talking to a friend recently, last month, this woman, she said to me, she was talking about this opportunity that came into her life. It's a professional opportunity. And I said, what do you think about it? And she said, you know, listen, I, I'm, 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 I'm sort of flattered by it in a sense. It's a big opportunity, but I'm really not sure about the timing of it. And I'm not sure that I really want it, but, and she had this look on her face, I have this sense that God wants me to do it, Okay. You know, it's kind of like another version of generation ago. It was this old thing of, you know, be careful what you ask. Be careful if you share your real desires for God. Be careful not to put yourself out there because God might send you to Africa, you know, kind of a thing. It was that kind of look on her face. Now, if that's you, right, if that's me, I'd say you don't really know who you're asking, right? Because the God of this world, right, 
the God of this world, if he'll give you a stone instead of a loaf of bread sometimes, right? And some of us are used to that, but not your heavenly father, right? Do you know who you're asking, right? He's a God who loves you. He's a God who has your best interest in mind. He's never going to give you something that isn't, for in, that isn't in your own best interest. And he is a God who is always available. Second thing Jesus is telling us here is you need to know what to ask for. And there's where this passage really, um, people miss it. And you can ask yourself as you think about it. You know, gee, boy, I pastor, I've really, I've tried this and it doesn't work, you know. I've asked for many things and I haven't gotten it. But see, the prayer at the end here, remember what I said? The, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the life that you've always wanted, right, and believed somewhere was true. C.S. Lewis said this in a sense about life. He said, you know, you, 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 um, the fact that you can imagine a different quality of life tells you something about that there is a different quality. In other words, God, none of us are living the perfect life. None of us have the perfect marriage. None of us have the perfect satisfaction in our career. None of us have perfect health. But C.S. Lewis said, the fact that you can imagine it, right, which brings about some discouragement at times, shows you that God has put eternity in our hearts, as the Bible says. But what he's saying here is, listen, you get to the end of this teaching, he brings this prayer request, this wild invitation to pray, this enthusiastic invitation to pray, because the life, why here at the end? Because the life that's being talked about in, these, in this great Sermon on the Mount cannot be lived out without a foreign, given righteousness or without an outside power coming into your life. That's why. And if you get to the end of this sermon, right, or in our case, this sermon series, or all this great teaching of Jesus, if you get to the end of it, and I get to the end of it, and, and all you're asking for is a new truck, or a new promotion, or a new relationship, you've completely missed the point of the entire sermon. Now, it's not that God doesn't care about those things, right? I believe God does care about those things, but he's more interested, right, in giving you the ability to get those things than in simply giving you those things. It's not about a new set of clothes. It's about a new quality of life. Galatians 5, 23. Listen to these verses. But the fruit of the Spirit, okay, think about your life right now, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? That's what he's talking about. You know, in Luke's version of this, if you look in Luke 11, the same story, the same account, right? When Jesus is talking about prayer, there's two words different. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gift to your, parent, to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, Luke says. Now, is it good gifts or is it the Holy Spirit, right? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe Jesus gave this sermon twice, but here's what I think is happening, right? I think Matthew's saying, this is what Jesus is saying. He's trying to make a, simply a comparative statement. He's saying, guys, listen, God, your Father, my Father and your Father, when Jesus rose from the dead, he said to Mary, I want to go to see, I'm going back to my father and to your father, into my God and to your God. And this God wants to give you 
great things. He wants to give you a whole different quality of life. But what he wants to give you, it's not simply about asking for things. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit. Because if you can live this kind of life, right? If I have love, if I have peace, if I have kindness, if I have goodness, if I'm a man who exerts faithfulness and self-control, I'm going to attract people. I'm going to attract job opportunities that were never even on my wish list. That's what he's talking about. When Jesus said earlier in this passage, one of the most famous verses in this message, in this block of teaching, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He didn't say, that's all I want you to seek. He didn't say, go for a better job. He didn't say, find a better uh, 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 people to hang around. He didn't say, you know, don't ask for a truck and don't ask for an opportunity. He said, no, but seek ye first, right? First, the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you because when God gives you the quality of life, right? A whole different quality of life. When the fruits of the Spirit are becoming more the quality of person you are, the opportunities will open up for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, just for a minute, you could read the whole chapter, and he outlines all of these spiritual blessings, but looking carefully what he says. Who has blessed us, right? Not, not, he's not talking about what he's planning someday. When he talks about the heavenly realms, right? He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. But it's past tense, right? The heavenly realms are not talking about some place that you go when you die. The heavenly realms are talking about the quality of life that Jesus had. The quality of the authority that Jesus had. The spiritual blessings. And he said, listen, if you are a Christian, God has made these things available to you today, not tomorrow. And the things, if you look carefully at the passage, I'll just give you three of them in Ephesians chapter 1. The forgiveness of sins, right? Do you still need forgiveness of sins? Of course you do. God has forgiven you if you're a Christian in this room in the sense of he's taken, because you've accepted Christ as your Savior, Jesus Christ has borne the penalty for your sin. He rose from the dead, and the penalty of sin has been removed. He bore your penalty. But the power of sin in your life, that's present every day. And the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ that have been given to us today, the heavenly realms that we can live in, it's about the forgiveness of sin. It's about living out of, out of his grace in your life. It's about experiencing, read the rest of Ephesians chapter 1. He said, listen, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, imagine that kind of spiritual power. He said, this same power that was exerted when Jesus rose from the dead is available to you today, right? Think about that. What what would you rather have, a new truck (laughs) or spiritual power to live a whole different quality of life? To have the the fruits of the Spirit really lived out in your life. To be a man or a woman of greater faithfulness. To be a man or a woman who has goodness. To be a man or a woman who has deeper self-control in your life. That's what he's talking about. The problem with us is we're 
asking for the wrong things. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, the Lord's brother, said these words. You desire, but you do not have. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's a problem for some of us, you see. Some of us got this idea about God. You have to know who you ask. So some of us don't ask because we said, listen, I've been down that road before, right? I'm going to ask for bread, and God's going to give me a stone. I'm going to ask for I want to do something in my life, and God's going to give me something I really don't want, or he's going to send me somewhere I really don't want to go, right? Jesus says, you got to go back to square one. Do you know who you ask? If your parents who love you, right, give you good gifts, how much more would the heavenly Father who knows everything about you and has all the resources in the world, how much more would he give those good things to you? Do you believe that, right? Do I believe that? Some of us don't ask, but then he goes on to say, when you ask, those of us who do, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives that you may get what that, that uh, you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You're shooting too small. That's what he's saying, right? You're asking for things when God's offering you a whole new quality of life. I ran into this buddy of mine um, the other day, one of my homeless buddies in, in Wegmans, and and uh, he. I was in the, I was in the prepared food section. You know, I said, "Hey, Vic, how you doing?" You know, I ran into him and. And, and he had this look on his face, and I'm, I'm standing right in front of the food thing, you know. And I said, uh, we started talking about this other friend of ours and his. And I said, Vic, you know, you, uh, you, know, you want a piece of pizza? You know, I could tell he wanted something. And, I, and, and he had this, instead of, the look on his face was more of an okay than a yes. Would you like a piece of pizza? And I go, would you like two pieces of pizza? Oh, yeah, I'd love two pieces of pizza, right? <laughs> So he gives me. So I get some pizza. I go. Let's get four. We'll go and and we'll um, we'll go stop. And I saw his buddy on the side of the, uh, the the highway. And I said, we'll go over there and give him a couple pieces. But the one thing about Vic, he he's he's a he's the master of the ask, you know. And we get into my car. And he says, listen, I, can I just tell you something? You're never going to believe what happened to me yesterday. I go, okay, what happened to you yesterday? He goes, you know, I was sitting out there on the highway, and you know where I always stand, and I was doing my thing, and I went back in my, my bag. Somebody stole my bag. And, and you know that big backpack I had? It was full of all of my, my laundry, and someone stole all of my laundry. And I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, listen, I promise you. He goes, right now, I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> I thought, Vic, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> What's the point of the story here? He says, well, I, the, a, a couple hours later, I found all of my laundry. And he said, I just don't have any money. To, to, there's always a money thing at the end. I said, okay, I'm not sure I believe. So I said, well, we'll, we'll he goes, where is it, Vic? Oh, it's over in a bush somewhere. So we drop off. We, we stop over there to meet his buddy. We get out of the car, and I'm talking to this other friend. And he skirts off. I didn't even think about it. He comes back in less than five minutes, with a bag of laundry that he got out of the bushes. I thought, well, okay. So we finished our pizza. We got in the car, and we get back into the... And I said, okay, let's go to the laundromat. So I drive him over, drop him off at the laundromat, give him some money. But you know what? He's still not done. He goes, no, listen, I said, one more thing I want to ask you, and I, I hate to do it to you. And he goes into this long thing and says, you know, next Sunday is the last day of March, and, and, uh, and my bus pass is going to end, and this, that, and the other thing. And and, and I let him go through the story, and, I, and then I gave him the same sermon, 
I mean, I helped them, love them. But I gave them the same sermon I've given them many times. And I said, Vic, you got to start thinking bigger, okay, than just the next small need in your life, right? And I almost never say no to them. But I said, dude, do you want to live the rest of your life the way that you're living it right now? I think that's what Jesus is saying here, right? I would say this. I think I'm going to get to heaven. I think you're going to get to heaven. And we're going to find out, not that we ask God for too much, but that we ask God for far too little, right? We're asking God for pizza and laundry and, you know, um, a new truck when he wants to give you a whole new quality of life, right? That's what he's asking. That's what John Stott, the great uh, British uh, writer, said these words about this passage. Why should we suppose that God's gifts are dependent on our asking? Do human parents wait before supplying their children's needs until they ask for them? But the reason why God's giving depends on our asking is neither because he's ignorant until we inform him, nor because he's reluctant until we persuade him. The reason has to do with us, not with him. The question is not whether he's ready to give, but whether we are ready to receive. So in prayer, we do not, quote, prevail on God, but rather should prevail on ourselves to submit to God. The truth is that the heavenly father never spoils his children. He does not shower us with gifts whether we want them or not. Instead, he waits until we recognize our need and turn to him in humility. You need to know who you ask, right? Is the father painted in this picture who loves you? who has your best interests in mind, who wants to give you not some things, but the best things. Is that the God that you see as your father today? Then you need to ask, you need to know what to ask for. Don't shoot so low, right? You need to, he wants to give you a whole new quality of life. He wants to make you and make me into the kind of person that will attract a different quality of opportunity that will attract a different quality of people that will be a whole different kind of person in this world. And lastly, really what this passage is saying is you need to pour out your heart to God. That's what Jesus is saying. I love this, you know. Six, all three of these verbs in verse seven, the one that's often very quoted, ask, seek, and knock, they are perfect imperatives, right? If you remember your grammar. And what perfect imperatives are, they mean continual action, right? This is what Jesus is saying. Are, am I the kind of person? Are you the kind of person in your life, in your struggles, in, in the places where I'm not, I don't have joy, in the places where I don't have peace like I want it, where I don't have forbearance with others, where I'm not kind, where I'm, I'm, I'm struggling being faithful, where I'm missing it out on self-control. Am I the kind of person? who keeps asking, who keeps seeking, who keeps knocking until God gives us what we need. Six different times, Jesus, these are Jesus' words to you and me, almost begs us to pray. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. 
and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. One writer I like said these words about this passage. It's not selfish to ask. It's selfish not to ask if you know God is God, right? Think about you if you're a parent in this room. Whether your kid's a teenager or if you can think back or think now when, you're, when, you're, when your child, looking at Sherry over there, who's got four kids, when, you're, when your kids are real young, right? There's almost nothing. Can you imagine if they thought, you know, they needed um, whatever it was they needed, some kind of encouragement, some kind of good word, some kind of, um, you know, fear addressed. Can you imagine thinking that they would think that you didn't care about them, that you didn't want to meet their need. It would break your heart, right? How much more does God want to give these things to you? Jesus is saying, listen, God loves you. He cares for you. You don't have to overthink it. Don't sweat it. Don't worry about asking for the wrong thing. Just break through and pour out your heart to God. Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is a refuge. Okay? I want to ask you this question as we close. What do you most need from God today? Right? And I hope, right? I want you to think beyond the truck, beyond the laundry, okay? What do you most, when you look at these qualities of life that we've been talking about for 12 weeks, none of us have them in perfect measure. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. What do you most need from God today, right? And spend some time asking him for it. Let's pray. God and Father, we thank you for this great salvation that you offer us in the person and work of your son Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the spiritual blessings you give us and make available to us each day. Forgive us of our sins. Extend to us a full measure of your grace. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit that we might live the life that matches the desire you've put in us the day we were saved. Help each of us here today to see you as loving Father and relate to you as your daughters and your sons. Give us a fresh vision for our lives and the courage to go after them in desiring more from you. In Jesus' name. Amen.